a Bible or a phone or whatever, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 16. We'll look at some stuff there. Are you excited? Yes? Are you in a good mood? Yes. You know, God's excited. He's always in a good mood. And I just felt, just quickly, just to share something. Um, do you know it's not selfish to desire the presence of God? It's not like a, it's not a bad thing to want more of his presence, to, to experience more of who he is. There's a saying which I like. It says, you, um, we most glorify God when we are most satisfied in him. See, his desire is for us to want to be in his presence, to want to be in that place of close proximity with him where we experience everything that he is because he's a good God and he's, he wants us to uh, experience his goodness. The very fact that we desire that, that he put in us in the first place. And he doesn't tease us. He's not a bad God. He put it there for a reason, that it would be fulfilled, that it would be satisfied. So I just felt just to share that. Don't feel like it's a selfish thing to want more of God. It's a good thing. It's a holy thing. So, anyway. I just want to say also just a big thank you to everyone who was involved in the expo this last weekend. Uh, Even though we didn't see anywhere near as many people come through as what we normally do, it was still really awesome. And so just massive thank you for guys who came and was involved in that. And those who, who couldn't come as well, just for your prayers and your support, it's something that we really do value. And um, so over the three days, um, where's Rona? Oh, there you are. I was super encouraged by one thing that like, it was only, I think it was only one guy but this that we prayed for. And Rona was just like, had such courage to just be able to speak to this guy about Jesus. I just loved that. They were just so openly telling him, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the one who's died for you. And that was just really cool for me, just to see that. So thank you for that, Rona. I thought that was good. And over the three days, we, had the, we saw a bunch of different healings. We saw people with short legs, again, growing out, and uh, people with... Uh, back pain and shoulders, people, a lady with numbness in her hand that just completely vanished. Uh, people that we prayed for for like other things like emotional stuff or some other sort of uh, heaviness that's on them. And then afterwards, they weren't even expecting it, but their muscles and their neck, they go, oh, my, my shoulders are better or my neck feels better. I can move it more freely. And we weren't even praying for that. So that was really cool. But one of the things... Um, that impacted me, which I've written in the, at the front of the newsletter, which you may have read, is I was, I was talking to a lady who's a clairvoyant, and she's been a clairvoyant or a psychic for 38 years. And for the last 11 years, she's been working full-time all around Australia. And so she goes all around Australia doing this as, as for money. And... Uh, I asked her, what is the difference you find in Perth compared to some of the other cities and that, that she works in? And it was quite interesting to me when she, she said that it's, it's quite different over here compared to back east. And I was like, well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Why is it different? And she said it's almost like the, the atmosphere or the, she used, sorry, she uses the word, the energy is thicker. It's like harder 
almost to kind of, she said harder to get through, but then she goes, no, 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 oh, that's not what I meant. But I think she was reverting back to because she, she wants to say that she can do it. But she said it was like difficult to kind of get through here rather than over east where it's just more easy, more natural, she can make more money. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting because we've been doing this for nine years and there's been a strong trend that we've noticed of people, the de decline of people coming through to the expo. There's a decrease in the amount of people that are going to see psychics and clairvoyants looking for vision, looking for some sort of destiny, some sort of healing. There's a decrease of that happening in the city and in, in the state, which is an awesome thing. And there can be many, there's def different reasons for it, but the one main reason, I think, is because the church is on the rise that the church in the city of Perth is becoming more united. We're coming together more. We've got the same mission. We've got the same heart. And Jesus is being exalted. And more and more people are beginning to see that Jesus is the answer. He is the way. He is the solution. He is our savior. He is our king, um, which is great. That's really encouraging. Even to, even to see like the miracles and stuff was really cool. But just to have that one sort of conversation was encouraging. It was really awesome. So we're rising. The church has never been stronger before. And the enemy has never been as scared as ever before. He is petrified of what the church can do. It's awesome. So anyway, so thanks again for everyone who came along. Today, I'm excited because we're going to start a new series called This Is Us. And so over the next say, I don't know, I don't know how long it will take, over the coming weeks, we're going to start a new series here and it's going to be revisiting and reinforcing who we are as Freedom Life, who we are as a church and um, why we are here, what we're all about. Right? I think it's good. I think it's awesome. Most people try and start it at the start of the year, but I felt God says, do it now. I think it's good timing. So did you find Matthew? Verse 16, I think I've got it here. Anyway, I'll read it if you've got your Bible there. It says, verse 13, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, I practiced that a few times, Caesarea Philippi, I think that's how you say it, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So I just wanted to point three things um, out of this text. Uh, there's, many, there's probably a bunch in here that you could pull out, but there's three things that I just want to look at in means of introduction of this new series called This Is Us. And so firstly, I just want us to notice that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And 
we know that the, he's just said before, the world, all the other people have got different views of what Jesus is. They're saying that you're like John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're Jeremiah, you're one of the other prophets. And the world has got a different view of who Jesus is. We've just been into the expo and you ask them, who is Jesus? And they'll say, oh, he's a great guy, he's a prophet, he's some other kind of guru or some other uh, spiritual kind of guide that he's been able to ascend to or whatever. And so the world has got this preconceived, formulated idea and understanding of who Jesus is. And, but Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he asks that question of every single person. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Messiah. You are Messiah, meaning like you are the Savior. You are our champion. You are our king. You are our priest. And so... You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you are right. right? You are, you've got it. This isn't something that you've learnt here. This isn't something that you've learnt from reading some book. This isn't something that you've learnt from talking with people down on the earth. But this is something that has been revealed to you as revelation from God, from the Father, from heaven. And because of that, you are blessed. Right? Your blessing comes because you have this revelation that has come from heaven. So this is the first point. Right? He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And secondly, Jesus goes on to say, And I tell you uh, that you are Peter, which is an interesting thing. I just want you to notice the language that is used here is quite interesting. He starts off by saying, you're Simon, son of Jonah, right? which is his birth name, so he's not incorrect. But then he goes on and he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. He changes his name right there. You've probably heard this before. But he's, the significance of this is in the Greek word that is used to describe Peter. And so Peter, let's make sure I've got this right, is Petros. Right? The Greek word for Peter is Petros, and Petros means rock. Right? In essence, Jesus is saying, you are a rock man. Right? So Simon, son of Jonah, you are now rock man. He changes his identity, he changes his name. So this, this revelation now of Peter knows you are the son of God, because of this, because of this revelation, now you know who I am, and now I'm going to tell you who you are. I'm going to change your identity. So that's the second thing. The third thing that Jesus goes on to say is, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And this is kind of where it ties in what I'm saying. So on this rock I will build my church. And some have concluded that what Jesus meant by this is God is going to build his church on Peter. All right? Some people think that because he said, Peter, you are a rock, and now on this rock, I will build my church. And there's huge things on this. People think that it was built on the Apostle Peter. But I'd like to suggest that I don't think that that is a correct interpretation of what's being said. That the Greek word for... Peter is Petros, that Jesus used, but it's actually more accurately defined as a small rock, right? A pebble or a piece 
of a rock. All right? That's what he says to Peter. But when Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, he uses a different Greek word. He uses a Greek word that is Petra. And Petra means a big rock. Right? It means a, a, a mass or collection of rocks. So a foundation. Right? So he's using this distinction. He's got these two parallel things. He's saying, Peter, you are Petra. You are a piece of a rock. And on this rock, on this massive group, this huge big rock, I will build my church. There's a distinction for a reason because he's not necessarily building on Peter. He's building on something else. All right? You're following me. So when I believe that when Jesus says on this rock, this huge massive rock, I'll build my church, he is referring to himself. And I like to think of it this, this, this is, don't take this as a theology, but this is the way that I kind of think that it happened. Peter, stand up, because you're Peter. <laughs> so he says, you are Peter. You are rock, right? This is who you are, rock man. And he says, but on this rock, I will build my church. And that's kind of the way that I think of it. Thank you. Because <laughs> I think that that's kind of how they were. They were like that. He was a fisherman. He was a carpenter. I think that they were kind of like, he would have done that. I can imagine Jesus doing that. Do you? I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. So the revelation of who he is, God is building his believers, his church, his army, his bride, this royal priesthood is being built on the solid foundation of who Jesus is. Amen? This is kind of what I just wanted to build slowly into what we're, what we're going to get into. So, and it also kind of ties in, I just remember with uh, Adam who was here a few weeks ago and he talked about Luke 6 and he's talking about how the wise builders build on the foundation, on the rock of Jesus, right? The foolish builders don't. The foolish builders build on the sand and what that means is you take the revelation of who he is and then you begin to act on it, right? You, begin to, you don't just hear it and not do anything with it because that's foolishness, but you hear the revelation of who Jesus is and now you live your life based on that. That's that what it means to be wise. And when you build like that, you can weather the storms. So chaos, calamity can come and it will shake you, but you will not be destroyed because your foundation is solid in Jesus and who he is. So when you build a house, you want to make sure that you've got a strong foundation, don't you? Most people, a lot of their money if not the majority of their money, they push and put into their house. Like, and you, you value it. It's something that's going to keep your family safe, secure. It's a place of sanctuary, a place of residence, and just uh, of, of just safety for, you, for your family. And so you value it, and you want to make sure that it is solid. You want to make sure it's secure, and it's not shaky. It's not bodgy in any way, right? How much more... Do you think God values his church? Incredibly, right? He's, he wants to make sure that the foundation is pure, that it is solid, that there's no cracks in it, that it can build uh, a good, solid uh, building on top of it. A good, solid church needs a good, strong foundation. 
And it's rightly so because, remember, Jesus is the foundation, right? He is pure. He is holy. He is valuable. He has no cracks in him. He is solid and secure. It's very important that we build on the solid foundation of who Jesus is. If, if he's not the foundation, then we've got no hope. The building will fall apart. And so Peter began to understand this at this conversation with Jesus. And it's amazing to me that this revelation, it grew deeper and deeper with him because over 50 years later, he writes this in 1 Peter 2. Is this not going to work again? Oh, okay. In 1 Peter 2, he says, verse 5, you are also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So, you know, this is something that was strong in him right from that day all the way through the rest of his life. He valued this principle, this idea that Jesus is the foundation and together as a church, we are living stones and we are being built together. We are being uh, fused together to become this holy priesthood. The church is a holy priesthood. Amen? So if we go back to Matthew 16, we get this progressive kind of picture that Jesus is building, that he's painting here, that there is this revelation of who Jesus is, talking about his true identity, who Jesus really is. He isn't just some prophet. He is truly the son of the living God, the Messiah, the Savior, our King of Kings. And then that, knowing that, it brings us into this place of discovery of who we are. Right? Jesus reveals to us who we really are, who our true identity is, that you're not a sinner, right? You're not some reed that is moving around in the wind like what Simon means, but you are Peter, you are a rock, you are solid, you are secure, you are, uh, you're, you're not a sinner, but you're a son of the living God as well. And... Knowing this, knowing who we are, God then positions us to be able to share in what he is building. He invites us to be partners with him in the only thing that he is building on the earth. You can go to the next one if you, if you can, or, or if I can. So there, revelation of who Jesus is, it brings us into a discovery of who we are, and then we get to share in what God is building on the earth. Because there's only one thing that God is building on the earth. Do you know that? There's only one thing that God is doing, and that is building his church. His church is plan A, right? There's no plan B. He doesn't need a plan B. He's God. Hopefully, is this is not? Oh, whatever. All right. I'll ask Mike to change it. That's all. <laughs> so the church is plan A, right? And he says, a church that is founded on Jesus Christ, that is founded on the revelation of who he is, will never be overcome by the gates of hell. That's why it's so important to have Jesus as a foundation, not some other man, not some person, not my dad leading the church. He's not the head. Jesus is the head. Amen? So 
what is a gate? We're talking about gates of hell. And a gate is a fixed point. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but it's a fixed point of access uh, into that place. So the gates of hell, that, that marks the perimeter of hell. The area, the camp of where the devil is, of where he operates from. And so when it says we get to, what it means is we're not on the defense, right? We're on the attack. It doesn't say the gates of heaven, it says the gates of hell, which means the devil's not in our territory, we're pushing into his, which is an important thought to have. Because sometimes we can think that we're being overrun by the enemy and he's taking over everything. No, we're the kingdom of God. We are in control. We are the powerful ones. We're the ones getting stronger and the enemy is getting weaker. We're getting brighter. Just as I heard Blight was saying with the clairvoyant, she's saying how it's harder and harder for them to operate because the church of God is getting brighter, brighter and increasing more and more every single day until we drive the enemy out. His camp is getting smaller, it is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because God is increasing. His sons of God are arising. It's good news. And so one of the enemy's tactics, one of the devil's tactics is he lies to us and tries to isolate us and tries to convince Christians that we're doing stuff on our own. He tries to make it look like we're these individual stones that are scattered across a massive desert, that we're just islands doing everything on our own individually, and that's a lie. It's 100% a lie, because God is building his church. He is doing it. He is building us together as one corporate body, that he is making us a holy priesthood in union with one another. Right? We might not even realize it, but he's doing it. He's, he's got, it's amazing that you can go across the world and meet a Christian and automatically you have this weird connection. Well, not weird, it's good. Right? But it's funny that you can do that and be on the same page with that person, even though we can think that, oh, we're doing our individual, our own kind of lives. It's not true. Spiritually, we are connected. Spiritually, we are one body because Jesus is doing it. So God's plan is the building of his church. This is something interesting. Do you know that almost every book in the New Testament is written to local churches? It's written to corporate bodies of people, a community of people. It's not primarily written to individuals. And I think that's a very important thing to remember, that... As much as, as, as we take things individually for us, which is good, that primarily the context of what is written in the Bible is to a local corporate context. It's very important. And I, I just want to have a look at a few scriptures today. If you want to go to the next one, just in Ephesians 1. And it's so clear to see when you see this through, especially in the book of Ephesians, it's very easy to see. Just notice the language that Paul uses when he writes. So we've got, yeah, that's it. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, right? Which is his body, 
the last prayer meeting we had, we talked a little bit about Hebrews 10, and it says that Jesus is sitting on the throne at the right hand of God, and he's waiting for his hen- enemies to be made his footstool. Right? We are, as the church, part of his body. And our part of our role, part of our, uh, I guess, what we get privileged to, is being part of his body to see the enemy under us, under our feet. Part of our mission is to stomp on hell, right? Another, another scripture I think we talked about is in Isaiah where it talks about how the government, the government of his peace, it's on, on the shoulders, rests on, on his shoulders, which means the government and the kingdom of God rests on us as the body of Christ. If you're going to go to the next one, Thanks. Ephesians 2 verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Chief cornerstone, that means the cornerstone is the foundational stone of what they were building. That's how they used to do it. Again, talking about Jesus being the foundation. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We know the Holy Spirit lives inside each one of us individually. But listen to the language that Paul uses. Right? He's talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as a corporate church, as a corporate body of believers that we would together be a dwelling place of God where he moves, his spirit moves and manifests with power and glory. The next one, please. Ephesians 3, it says, His intent was that now through the church, right, not through individual sons, but through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. God's intent, intention, his intelligent design, right? his eternal purpose is that uh, his glory would be made known through us collectively as a body, as a church. Next one, please. You'll see we'll go through almost all of Ephesians. Verse 20, it says, now, go back one, please. Yeah, that's it. Now to him who is able to do, this is a famous one we often look at. Now to him who is, a, do, sorry. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Often we go, notice that he doesn't say that's work within me. The language he uses here is us. The whole context is this corporate thing. He's talking about us together as the church, right? And it comes even more clear uh, as we go to the next one, which is, oh, sorry, go back. Sorry, back. (laughs) Verse 21, it says, To him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. Amen. And then finally, Ephesians 4. You can put that one up now. In Ephesians 4, it talks about the unity and the maturity of the body of Christ. And it talks about how Jesus is the head again. But in verse 16, it says, From him, 
the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So you can see, it, to me, it's very clear that God's plan for his message, for his grace, for his glory, is to be displayed through us corporately as the body of Christ. It's not just the ones and twos popping up here and here with the kind of the great preachers or whatever. It's, got, it's not that. God's intention is for all of us collectively to house the glory of God. And so we can be impressed and we can applaud by the, like some of the guys like, like Heidi Baker or Todd White that we're going to go see, guys like Bill Johnson or even people of old like Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lay, Catherine Kuhlman. We can applaud these people and they carried something and truly changed the world. But God's intention is that corporately we would be a people who house the glory of God. And I just think that imagine what it would be like when it's the congregation who are outrunning those leaders where it's the people that you don't really know who their name is who are seeing more miracles, who are seeing more signs and wonders, who are seeing more people saved, who are seeing more prophetic words flow, that they're changing their community, their sphere of influence more than the person standing at the front. What would that kind of church look like? Right? What kind of... I said, I think it was the last prayer meeting, talking about the expo, well, now it's been nine years we've gone into the expo and we've seen over 500 people healed. We've seen, I think, 21 people saved. In, and it can sound like, like not that much. It is a lot. But you can think like over nine years, 500 people healed, and it just seems not... To put it in its proper context, in nine years, it's 31 days. All right? It's one month. So think of it this way. In one month, a group of 20 of us have seen 500 people healed, over 500 people healed. In one month, a group of 20 have seen 21 people saved. That's pretty cool. Only a group of 20 of us. Now, what if we saw that every month? Every month of the year, more than 500 people healed. Every month of the year, 20 people saved. And it's only 20 of us that have gone and done it. How many Christians are in Perth? How many churches are in Perth? What are we doing? Maybe we've lost sight of who we are. Maybe we've lost sight of who Jesus is. Maybe we've lost sight of what's the foundation of the church. We need to come back to knowing who he is, saying who he is, because he then tells us who we are. And he says, this is the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? Why are we here? It's important questions to ask. It's not that hard for the churches in the city of Perth to see 500 people healed, to see 20 people saved every month. It is not that hard. We just need to get back on mission. We need to get back to knowing who we are, knowing who Jesus is in us, knowing our mission and knowing our purpose. Amen? Every local church has the same foundation. I think there's another scripture if you want to put up. Yep. 
For no one can lay any other foundation other than the one that has been already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So every church has the exact same foundation. It's Jesus Christ. Every church has the same head. Jesus Christ. But here's something to think about. If you go to, uh, just imagine this, you go to a new estate and there's a street there and you see two blocks of land and on one block of land there is a slab, there is a foundation that's been laid. Next to it, there's an identical block, an identical foundation that's been laid. They both look exactly the same and so you can assume that the building of those two blocks or the, or the house that's going to go on there will also look the same. Wouldn't you say that? If you see some of the new estates where they just have built like a whole bunch all in a row and, they, and once they're built they have different colours but they're all essentially the same kind of house. But do you know you could come back six months later and see two completely different houses. One could be a three by two with an uh, entertainment area at the back. Right? The other one it's a two-story house. It's got five bedrooms and a spa. Right? You wouldn't be able to know that by looking at the foundation. They could have the exact same foundation. So every local church has got the same foundation, but not every local church looks the same. There's different structure. There's different frameworks. There's different flavors. They emphasize different things. Right? And so for us as Freedom Life, our DNA and our flavor is going to look different than, say, the Gate Church that we've been to a few times. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right? The foundation is Jesus. It's just the way that we emphasize or the way we do things might be look a little bit different. You've got different leaders. You've got different people in the church, different personalities that God uses to flow through. Think of this. God is massive. Right? His personality is endless. His nature is endless. It's huge. And so it takes a lot of people to display his nature. It takes a lot of churches to be able to fully uh, describe and just present the facets of his wisdom. As we've just read before, that the church is to display the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold means the many-faceted, like a diamond with all the different facets on it. The church in general across this city is to display different aspects, different uh, parts of God's nature. Amen? It's good. So for the next little while, though, uh, we're going to look at some of the structural pillars, I guess, that identify who we are as Freedom Life. What are the things that identify really who is Freedom Life and what we look like? All right? So are you keen for that? You want to know? This is who we are. This is what we stand on. This is, this is what makes us... Uh, do what we do in the way that we do it. So just for today, we can have a spa. That's right. If you want to go up to the next one, please. And next one. Here we go. So I've got nine pillars that we kind of are going to look at. The first three, if you notice, they all have something in common. Um, the first three uh, pillars is what my dad heard or that God spoke to my dad before we came here, right? that we would be a church 
of grace. That would be something that we would preach the undiluted, pure message of grace and that we would stand for it. And uh, that his sacrifice that he has freely given to us is this free gift of righteousness and that we are justified forever. That Christianity is spelt G-I-F-T, right? It is everything that we do, everything that we are is because of the free gift of grace. And so I think pretty much the majority of churches would say that they're a church of grace, right? In relation to seeing the lost, seeing that sinners are saved by grace. I reckon 99% of churches would believe that, that you treat sinners with grace, that it's not by their works, it's not by their actions, it's not by their behavior that they get saved. The difference is after that. What happens once you're in the church? What happens once you've entered into the kingdom of God? How do you mature as a Christian? How do you, how do you get the word sanctified? Are you sanctified by grace or are you sanctified by your good efforts? And that's really a massive thing in the church. So we'll look at that. Second thing is that we'll be a church of glory, church of signs of wonders of miracles, a church who value the presence of God, know how to host him well. And uh, as we read before, that that together we become a, a corporate body of people that know that we are the dwelling place of God not just individually, but together as a church. God comes and dwells with us. And the third is the church with guts, and I've used a little bit of poetic license with this. And so I mean a church of great joy, which might be a funny thing, but joy meaning not just like a happy, clappy Sunday kind of joy where it's a facade, where it's almost like you come in on a Sunday and it's a masquerade ball, where people were just like not truly happy, but they're just wearing this mask that's got a happy face on it. Um, We're not talking about that. We're talking about a joy that in the midst of a storm, you can praise God and laugh, right? A joy where you may be beaten, it's midnight and you're in chains in prison and you can worship God knowing that you are secure and you have this inner joy. That's the kind of joy that we're talking about. That's why I say guts, (laughs) because it's a joy that you have when when you need to persevere. Right? Um, and to know that you have peace in this chaos, to know that God is joyful, to know that he's not angry, that he's not depressed, but he sits in the presence of his enemies and he laughs. So we'll look at that. And then fourth, uh, church who gather. Is that the name? Yep. Church who gather. Uh, the word church actually means assemble. It means come together. Uh, church who go. We talk about the great commission that we are called to go into all the world a church who grow, that we are part of God's garden and that we would grow down, that we would grow up and that we would grow out. And that we are a church who give, that we would be a generous people, uh, that grace is not just a theory, but he was a person. And when Jesus came, he came to serve. He came to give everything that he was. The Father gave the Son Um, And so that's part of who we are. That's part of our nature as a church, that we're all about giving. Freely we have received, so freely we give. And next one, a church of government. We believe in divine order, that God's kingdom is not chaotic, right? He's he's one of order. He's one of putting things uh, structured. Even in in the church, 
He's given a certain structure of how the church should be governed, that there's elders, there's deacons. We talk about apostles, pastors, prophets. Um, there's a certain order that God has put in place. He's very structured. Even if you, you just have to look at the old covenant of how detailed he is about how to go through the process of getting cleansed and how to um, like, uh, get uh, cleansed from your sins. And God is in the same way. All of that was a shadow of what he did in Jesus. And he did it in a very structured and very measured and very precise, intelligent way. Um, so he's a God of government. And we are a church of government. Um, it says in Isaiah, I think now he says, the government of Pete, of his, is it says, the government of his peace will have no end. Right? So government. And then finally, a church of generations that we're not just building for here and now, but we're building for the future that we're building for our kids' kids, and that also that we are a church that values family, that, uh, that God is all about family, and we are also all about family. So they're the nine things. That's all of them, eh? Is it all right? This is who we are. And God has positioned us as freedom life in this city uh, for this time right now. I'm excited that God is doing something awesome, right? We're not on the back foot. We're actually on the front foot, and he has he is called us to pioneer something awesome in this city. Amen? We're not just some little group of people huddled in the corner trying to wait until something awesome that's going to happen somewhere else. He's starting it in here. He has called each and every one of us to shine his glory, to shine who he is. And so um, I just want to leave you just with one more scripture. In, I don't have it up there, so Mike. And it's just Jesus praying, and I just want to pray this for us as well. And it's John 17, verse 21, and he says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. And as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world would believe. I just want to pray that just for us, just even now, that we just thank you, Jesus, that uh, you have given us the, the privilege of being able to be partners with you and become one with you. And I just pray, Lord, just that we would have a greater awareness, a greater revelation and enlightenment again of who you really are, of just the, the true reality of your identity and of your nature, of your character, of your heart towards us, and that as we just see you more clearly, that we would also begin to see ourselves more clearly, that our identity, we're not Simon, son of Jonah, but we are like Peter. We're pieces of this huge rock that is you, and that we would just know, again, the purpose of what you've called us to, this huge thing, that there's only one thing that you're building on this, on this earth. There's only one a thing that you're doing in this whole universe, and that is that you are building your church and you're building your kingdom. And I just pray, Father, for every one of us together that we would just have this sense of being united, that we would have this sense again that we are being joined together, that there is an unbroken bond that's actually forming between each one of us because it is Jesus at the center. Jesus is the foundation. So I thank you, God, for that. Let us be excited let us fire up. Let us know again who it is that uh, you are and who it is that we are and that our purpose is eternal 
and it is the only thing really worth living for. So thank you for that. Bless every single person here. Let them have a brilliant week. And I just pray even more that, they were, that every one of us would encounter you even daily this week where we just see you and just have such an intimate relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Thank you. So we're going to look at the rest. We'll look at next week. We'll look at Church of Grace. Yep. Do you The Lord was just speaking much along the same lines to me this morning. But the thing that um, I was in Ephesians and that's about the manifold, um, his purpose was to display the manifold wisdom of God. But it says now. And that was what God was um, emphasizing to me. It's now, folk. It's now. You know, sometimes I was thinking like, what is it to be seated in heavenly realms? And, and I was thinking about the heavenly realms. And it's like pie in the sky one day when you die. But that's not true. It's just like we're in this room, but outside there's an atmosphere all around us and it's there now. And soon we'll be out there. And that's what it is in the heavenly realms. We're here on earth, but the heavenly realms are all around us. And it's right now. And we're right there now. And his purpose is for us now to um, display to those heavenly realms who he is and who the church is. And it's through the church that he wants to do it. That's why we have to grasp who we are in him. Amen. Thanks. Thank you very much. We've got tea and coffee. Bless you. If you need prayer for anything...